Good evening, folks. How you all doing this glorious day? Feeling sad? Feeling lonely? Don't despair, for here is Energy's own special, Freddy the DJ and his cool kitty cat tunes. Stay cool, brothers and sisters. This one's going to rock the house. And before we get into that, let's take a moment to thank our sponsors. Betty's Pets for all your puppy needs. Only 200 garunas a pop. Just remember, they're not just for Christmas, they're for life. Energy 101.5 FM. Boom, 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 boom. Freddy the Cat was a DJ. In his eyes, the DJ on the local energy radio station. And that's what he was known for. He could be found playing his tunes every weekday evening between 10 and 11 p.m. His taste in music was on the esoteric side and he was known for dancing virtually nonstop, only momentarily pausing to lap milk and shift some tracks. Some say that Freddy was a bit weird most people thought he was just an ordinary cool cat. Truth be told, no one really knew Freddy, if even himself. No one ever suspected the true Freddy that until now remained a dark secret. Finally uncovered and made public on these very pages. And for all you little folks out there, let this be a lesson to learn. They may be cute and cuddly, but whenever they purr, that's them thinking, you fool, gotcha. Freddy lived on his own in a build-it-yourself shack tucked deeply into the woods. His house, if it could be called such, was surrounded by a dark pine forest that Freddy had planted to mark the border around his land and mask its presence. Apart from all those trees, it contained nothing else but dead cones and pines on a soft, decaying forest floor. The only road into the house was thin, poorly managed, and waved up, down, left and right like a snake leading the way. In the backyard, he kept a goat called Lisa. She was old, bored and hadn't been trimmed for years, but she kept producing milk consistently. That was probably what saved the old girl, for otherwise, what use would she have been to Freddy? Not this Freddy. Think again. Freddy was probably best described as an entrepreneur. He padded out his income from the radio station by renting out Lisa to locals. When out and about, Freddy travelled on two wheels. It was an old trusted bicycle that he had found discarded at the train station. Freddy was a wizard with tools, or as much of a wizard as one can be with a pair of soft furry paws. He straightened the back wheel and greased the chain. Didn't need much more. He even managed to fix a wooden box to the back, and that was sufficient to cater for his daily shopping needs. Lisa tagged along with a rope around her belly. To the locals, he was an ordinary cat, just doing his thing, being a good citizen. As an eco-friendly lawn mowing business, 
one hour for three garunas. And if you were lucky, she would also leave some fertilizer behind. But that, my friends, was just the surface, literally. Under this hardly livable shack, which only was visited by what the locals assumed were friends, Lady's main enterprise, set in concrete, invisible from above, was an industrial-scale puppy production factory, 20 times the size of his above-ground house. Every night, his friends arrived in a truck loaded with biscuits and doggy treats. Before dawn, it was all gone, and so was the truck. Loaded with a fresh batch of puppies, of course. At an average of around 120 puppies per week, this was big business. Freddy didn't care too much about the money, though. Apart from a cigar and some scotch whiskey now and then, there wasn't much for him to spend on it, so it just accumulated on his bank account. The tax department had been tracking Freddy's bank account for a while, as they found it suspicious that he so regularly received substantial payments from Betty's pets, without having any major outlays himself apart from the whiskey and cigars. Soon enough, the RSPCA was also alerted to the unexpected but odd connection between Freddy the cat and Betty's pets. After staking out Freddy and his friends for a couple of days, around the clock, they quickly realised something was not quite right. Operation Cats and Dogs was set up and informants sent in. Based on the accumulated intelligence, the police decided to step into action. Very early one morning, just before dawn, Freddy's door was loudly kicked in. Freddy was still drowsy and wearing nothing but his travel eye mask when he was grabbed by a bunch of officers and had his neck briskly collar cuffed. Freddy knew instantly what this was about and he didn't try to resist. They brought him down to the police station and took a series of paw prints. After spending some hours in the cell, they dragged him into an interrogation room. It was dark and the room had nothing but a table and a series of chairs bolted to the floor. The men and women waiting inside it all looked very serious and stern. They read him his rights and started a tape recorder. Do you know what you're in here for, Freddy? Yes, he said slowly. Yes, I know. I admit. It's all my fault. Please leave my work is out of this. They have nothing to do with it. The interview continued. Freddy confessed to the whole operation. The fact that Betty's pets was operated by his sister and the mysterious origin of her popular cat food brand. After a while, Freddy couldn't hold back any longer, and he started to cry. With tearful eyes and a cold blank stare, he continued. I must disclose another secret. I've played you all a game for quite a while, and I mean all of you. What do you mean? Do go on, said the officer. Have you ever experienced a yapping dog? How about incessant howling? 
Surely you must have seen them sniffing each other's ass or even humping your leg, as if they were madly desperate to procreate. Well, yes, of course, all dogs are like that, said the officer. The RSPCA lawyer nodded. You all think the same, you humans. Do you really think that all dogs need to go for a walk in the park at 6 a.m. in the morning? All that yapping, sniffing, humping and ridiculously early walks. It's all a creation. My creation. The truth is, puppies love to do nothing more than just sleep and cuddle and just be wonderful. So goddamn wonderful. Freddy covered his eyes with his furry paws visibly shaking. After calming down, the officer handed Freddy a tissue and he coughed up a couple of fur balls. He continued. What you don't realise is that only under the most extreme situations of fear will dogs naturally resort to barking. And all that bum sniffing, it's fake. They have no interest whatsoever in the smell of anyone's bum. They were trained to do it, to be as challenging and inconvenient to their owners as possible. Those dumb humans, each one thinking they signed up for nothing but joy. I'm intrigued, said the lawyer representing the RSPCA. Tell me more. And so Freddie told his story, the whole story. Afterwards, they interviewed his neighbours. Drivers and workers that went through all his documents, videotapes, notes and books, the whole lot. Although it's not entirely certain what really took place, the following represents the most likely scenario. Freddy had carefully and systematically selected the most suitable sires and dams for his production units. These were his prized breathers and they had just one job, to have as much sex as possible. One would think that's a great job, no? In reality, it was as grim as it gets. They were kept under squalish conditions not too dissimilar to a prison, also called kennel in dog speak. They were regularly tested to ensure they maintained the key features that Freddy demanded in addition to their ability to continue breathing. This included either the yap, the howl, the arse sniff or the leg hump. If the feature assigned to them failed, their days were counted. Rumour had it that Freddy also produced some under-the-counter cat food. That rumour was sadly true, as Freddy had admitted. What a fate to be eaten by one's arch-enemy. It will not come as a surprise to most of you that this was not just about genetically encoded features. Freddy also had to train the puppies starting from week two. He divided them into four separate groups and made sure that they became experts on at least one of the four undesirable traits. For example, Every day, the howling group saw videos of other dogs that were howling because they were either tickled or made to stand on very soft floor. 
the yappers were left in rooms with both chickens and pigeons and the inevitable escalating cacophony unnerved the most relaxed puppies into a yapping frenzy. The arse sniffers was more challenging. After a period of trial and error, they settled on dressing up two cat friends to look like dogs and made several video clips showing how they sniffed each other. The videos were played for hours every day. Sure enough, the puppies knew nothing better than to mimic what they saw, just like ducklings follow whatever object they first see after their eggs have hatched. And finally, the famous leg hump. Let's be honest, dogs naturally have no interest whatsoever in having sex with a human, and certainly not their leg. Using a combination of light electric shocks and positive reinforcement through dog treats, they were able to train the pups to hump any long solid object within six weeks from onset. That's quite a feat. All the puppies were also given one additional training to make sure they stretched their owner's patience really to the limits. They programmed a robotic sense of unnatural timing into their premature brains through military-like indoctrination. All in order to make sure that they would wake up their humans every morning well in advance of their natural rhythm and disposition. With a fake impression that they urgently needed to go out for a piss in the park. After all, what owner would dare to take the chance that they might soil their bed, carpet or sofa? Very few. The trial was clear-cut. The jury and the judge were unanimous. Freddie was sent to prison with a lifelong sentence. And that was that. Or? I decided to follow up on the story a couple of years afterwards. There was just one small nagging thing that never was explained and I couldn't let go of it. The prison allowed me to interview him. We met in a room separated by a dusty glass window and spoke through a telephone. By now, Freddy was visibly aging. His fur was in bad shape and all that confidence he used to exude in his DJing heydays was all but gone. Hi Freddie, I'm Frank. I'm a journalist at the local newspaper and I've been uh, covering your intriguing story. From what I've read, it doesn't seem like it was ever explained why you started this puppy factory in the first place. Would you mind explaining that to me? Freddie smiled at first. Then he turned and became dejected with a constricted, wet look on his eyes. I don't think anyone would care to know. You'd be surprised. This story affected us all, and people are still talking about you. I once used to be just a regular cat. I lived with my adopted human family in a warm house. At first, I was showered with attention. They patted my fur and fed me well. I rubbed against their legs and held my tail up high, purring frequently. 
Their excitement waned over the coming months, but I got used to it. How much attention can a cat have? I thought to myself. We are all independent after all. One day, however, they arrived home with a surprise. It was a small brown dog, a puppy in fact. He was let inside the house and a second food bowl placed next to mine. The dog was not only cute, it had the softest skin and floppiest ears imaginable. In fact, it was so cute and friendly that the kids loved to play with him. I thought it would end soon, just like it did with me. But no, they continued to cuddle and talk to him every day. They took him out for walks and made him chase a ball. So sad. Why on earth would anyone want to chase a ball? Anyway, it felt as if I had been forgotten, like I was ignored. So one day, I decided to leave. I couldn't take it any longer. I left the house and decided to never come back again. I'm sorry to hear that. But it doesn't quite explain why you are in this situation now. Well, I was hurt, emotionally scarred. I decided to revenge myself, to stand up for all cats who are treated as second-class pets, some kind of lower animal. We are much more cleverer than them dogs, you know. Clearly, that doesn't matter to humans, though. I thanked Freddy for his time and honesty. Well, I guess all those unpleasant behaviours of dogs will now come to an end, won't they? With half a smile, Freddy hung up the phone and used his right paw to draw the number one, a backslash, and then a nine, all on the dusty glass. One out of nine. I hung up and walked away, regretting I did not square up to him. There and then and at least tried to wake him up from his deluded fantasy. No, he wasn't a cat. He never was, and he never will be. I was surprised the prison staff still let him wear his fake cat suit. That must have just contributed to him remaining stuck to his alternate reality. I'm pretty sure he won't have nine lives either. <laughs>